Um, when the pastor asked me to go ahead and speak in his place, I was so excited to be able to uh, come and share um, this message with you guys. But before we start, let's just go ahead and um, say a prayer. So please bow your heads with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to have Sabbath where we can come and just take a break from the busyness of the week and be able to spend a couple of hours just focusing on worshiping with our friends and family and worshiping you, Lord. And we want to thank you for everyone who is here, and I ask that you would please bless us and open our hearts and minds to be able to understand um, the message that we're going to be talking about today and that we will be able to um, take something out of it and apply it in our lives. And we want to thank you for all the things that you do for us and for loving us, and we love you too. In your name we pray, amen. So like I said, I was so excited to be able to come and um, share this message with you guys. But first, I just wanted to take a selfie um, just so that I could commemorate this moment with you guys. Um, I'm actually going to take a picture, so um, you guys might want to actually look good. So... Um, Okay, I'm going to do it now. So just for the sake of time, though, I'm only going to take one. But you guys know how it usually takes, like, a few before you get one that you're actually satisfied with. But I'm actually going to take one, so, okay? Just wait. I don't know if I can get everybody in it. I feel kind of bad if you wouldn't be in it, but, okay. Awesome, thanks, guys. Um, the funny thing about selfies is, like I said, you never really get a really good one on your first try. And sometimes it can take even up to like 10 or 11 tries before you're satisfied. And even then, it may not even be good enough to post on like a social media that you have. And then I got started thinking about social media. We have so many different options. And they're actually really um, a great thing to have because they allow us to be able to communicate with those people that we care about who we may not be able to talk with on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's something really amazing. Um, but I wanted to know, how much time do we really spend on social media? I know for me, sometimes I can spend like two hours just looking at Instagram or YouTube, um, especially with that YouTube thing that just sends you the next video like 10 seconds after. Like I had to turn that off, otherwise I'd just be spending the whole day being unproductive. And I would like two hours later look at the time and I'm like, wow, I literally just spent two hours doing absolutely nothing. And so I wanted to look at um, how much time we uh, spend on social media. So, on average, I don't know what they like base this on, I don't know what an average American is, but on average, most Americans have at least six different social media accounts and spends at least three hours on them each day. That's three hours that could have been spent on doing something else. And I'm not saying that, you know, that's super bad, but I'm just saying, imagine three hours you could have spent um, spending actual time with your family members instead of you know, being on the screen and, or, you know, um, reading your Bible or exercising. There's so many things that you could have done during those three hours. Along with, you know, having social media, there are many different um, apps out there. Here are a few, like, that are really helpful. Like Google Maps, you can use that when you're traveling um, to find directions to your hotels, restaurants, things like that. There's the Bible app where you can actually read your Bible on your phone. Um, the weather app so that you know when it's going to rain, or um, this one over here, I don't know how to do that little, oh, there. That one actually is a guitar tuner, and I actually have that one. So you can um, have an app that allows you to tune your guitar, and then that's just a game that I put on there. Um, so it's really great to have apps that will help us and benefit our lives, helping us to study, learn how to cook. There are just so many apps out there that are actually beneficial. But 
along with technology making our lives better, it also makes our lives a little bit worse. In this world, we overshare everything. Um, and that's because social media makes everything about us. With all the different social medias that we have, you know, like Pinterest, um, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Visco, all those different things, we are constantly taking pictures, taking videos, sharing them, and showing the whole world what we're doing. And sometimes that can make the memory that we're supposed to be saving not enjoyable because you don't really get to enjoy the moment. You're more just kind of experience it from a screen instead of just enjoying the moment. And so these are some pictures. I just found this picture really funny. Like if you look at her face, she's like really judging this person taking, you know, a picture of her food. And if you take picture of your food, don't worry, Jesus still loves you, okay? But I'm just saying that, you know, sometimes instead of just enjoying that food, we just, you know, tend to try and share it with everyone else. And sometimes people just really don't care what you're eating and things like that. Um, <laughs> if our culture had a current status, it probably would be, if you didn't share it, did it really even happen? Because a lot of the times, we do things and we have to share what we're doing, who we're with, who we're dating, where we are, and all the different things that happens throughout our day. But the more that we tend to focus on showing everyone else about our lives, we become less satisfied. We scroll through photos and feeds and statuses, comparing our lives to the lives of others, and we can't help but feel unhappy just because somewhere, someone out there is doing something much more exciting than we are, while we're doing simple things like going to school, eating, sleeping, things like that. And the downfall of social media is it creates a fake world, a fake world that looks perfect, but just because it was planned. When you look at a social media account, you never get to see the person when they're sad or when they're going through something rough. You only see the amazing things that they want you to see. And we compare our lives to pictures when in reality, it's just a glimpse. No one's life is ever as perfect as their Instagram account. And the more we compare, we never feel full. And we will continue to be dissatisfied until we let Christ be what, all that we need. And we can try to get everything we've ever wanted, all the things that we see on the different social medias, and yet it will never be enough. At the end of the day, you will still feel unhappy and unsatisfied. So we filter and edit and post the days away to try to convince others that we are having such an amazing life and that they want to be just like us. But we are trying to be like someone else. Because everyone's life is at our fingertips, it's so much easier to be able to compare yourselves to others. Once you start comparing, you become unhappy, and then you try to change. You try to change to become like different people, even if it means changing your whole self just so that you can fit in, and you will do whatever it takes in order to fit in with the world or what's going on. And the really sad thing about that is the fight for popularity or trying to fit in is gonna make you fake. It is said that a real, like an original, is worth more than a copy. And it's really true. If you look at pictures and um, posters, paintings, books, the original is always worth more. It's more expensive. People pay more to get that. But a fake, it's not worth as much. So when you try and change the real you 
to be like something else. You become fake, and you lose that worth that you have. So when we try to become more like other people, we lose ourselves. And we're trying to change to be like who? Are we trying to be like Jesus? No, most of the times we're trying to be like other people, not Jesus. So let's go ahead and if you would turn with me to Luke 9.25, and we're going to go ahead and see what Jesus has to say about this. So I'll just give you a few seconds to go ahead and turn. I'll have it up on the screen if you're kind of lazy like me. Um, you can just read it up here with me. So Luke 9.25, I'm going to be reading out of the New International Version. And it says, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Lose or forfeit their very self. So when you are trying to change, to fit into the world, you are losing yourself. You're losing the real you. We change ourselves too much to fit into a world that isn't meant for us. And the world tries to tell us the right way to talk, the right way to, to um, dress, the right, who we should hang out with, who we should date, where we should be. But the thing is, in order to be just right in this world, you have to be someone else. And Philippians 2.5 says, you need to think and act like Jesus. And that's out of the um, clear word, I'll read it to you, actually, from the Bible. So the little heading says, be like Jesus, and then it says, you need to think and act like Jesus Christ. So when you hear that, are you hearing that you need to think and act like Kim Kardashian or any of the other people that we desperately try to be like? No. It says that we need to think and act like Jesus. So if we, if we are going to change, if we're going to try and compare our life to someone else, then we need to compare and change to become like Jesus, not anyone else, because that is the perfect example of who we need to be as a Christian, Jesus, not anyone else. Along with changing yourself, like I said, you don't become, you're not real anymore, you're not the real you, but Jesus, he fought and he died for the real you. Let's go ahead and turn to Romans 5, 8. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Wow. So Jesus loved us from the very start. And even though we were sinners and we didn't even care, we were just going to do what we wanted to do. He died for us, and he died for you, for who you are. No matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter what you will do in the future, he's going to continue to love you, and he died for you. When there was absolutely nothing to like about us, he loved us. And he gave up his life so that we could find the one that we are desperately trying to gain. And it's so sad because the life that we want to gain, it's in this world. And John 3.16 says that he will give us eternal life. That's the life that we want. That's the life that he wants for us in heaven. A life that's perfect where we don't have to worry about trying to change ourselves to become right or to be able to fit in. Because in heaven, you can just be you and you are loved. You were created for so much more than just trying to become someone else. And that's not what God wants for you. 
God created you with a special purpose in mind, and he loved you, and he had a plan for your life even before you had life. So let's go ahead and turn to Psalms 139, 13, and 14. Psalms 139 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You see, God knew what he was going to do with your life from the start. And he made you wonderfully. It's, you're just made into a wonderful person. And he knows the amount of hairs that you have on your head or the amount of hairs that you don't have on your head. And he has a special purpose in mind and a plan for each one of us. So let's go ahead and turn to Jeremiah 29, 11. This is one of my favorite verses. Um, it's really reassuring. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. You see, we need to try and trust and understand that God knows exactly what he's going to do with our life. He has the plans, and they're just right for us. I know sometimes it can be very hard to understand and trust God because we can't see the big picture. We only just see it through our eyes. We don't get to see it from God's eyes. And it's like you have a certain thing that you think that you need, and you're just saying, you know what, I need this, so I'm going to start praying. So you start praying for whatever you need, and you pray, and you pray, and it's not happening, and you continue to pray, and it's not happening, so you just give up. You're like, God doesn't know. He does, why isn't he not giving me what I need? I don't understand why he's not doing, because I know this is best for me. I know this is what I need, and it's going to make my life better. But God doesn't give it to you. Well, you know what? Praise God, because what you thought that you needed, you didn't need. Because if you needed it, God would have given it to you. So if you don't have it, Praise Jesus, because something worse could have happened if you continue to live your life through your eyes. You have to trust God and understand that he's seeing it through his eyes, and his plan is best. But the thing is, in a selfie-centered world, how can we be content with ourselves and, be, and stay connected with Jesus? It doesn't seem possible that we could ever live a happy and full life as a Christian, because... We don't get to do as many things as we would want, and we don't get to live our life like the people that we see on social media and things like that. But let's try to keep a positive mindset as we look at some heroes in the Bible and see what happened in their lives. We're going to go ahead and use the before Jesus and after Jesus filter, okay? First hero, David. I'm sure you guys all know about him. Really great hero, okay? So before Jesus, he was just a lowly shepherd, and they gave that job to the lowest of the low, okay? Nobody cared about him, okay? He was the youngest of all his brothers, and they probably found him really annoying because, I mean, he wanted to go to war, and they're probably like, you're like, what, 12? No, you can't go to war. What are you thinking, okay? So then the story goes that he has to take some food to his brothers who are at the army's camp, okay? And this big giant comes out, and he's saying, who's going to come and fight me? And David's like looking around like, okay, this is their job. I'm not in the army, so someone else got to go and, you know, fight this giant. And then the giant starts um, talking about God in a disrespectful manner and talking about God's people in a disrespectful manner. And David's like, I'm not going to let this happen. You know, he can't talk about my God like that. He's like, I'm going to go and kill this giant. And they're like, what? Um, you can't do that. 
And he's like, no, 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 you know, I'm going to trust God because I know God can get me through this. God is going to help me kill this giant, okay? So he goes out there, and he gets ready to fight the giant, and he dies, okay? I'm just kidding. That's not how it goes. Um, he kills the giant, and everybody's like, wow, okay, this little boy, this little, I don't even know how old he was, maybe like 12, 13. I mean, he's a young boy, so I think that's young. Um, he kills this giant with a rock, a little rock in a slingshot, this giant. Okay, God must have been working there, amen? And then, not only does he just kill the giant and then go home and goes back to his sheep, you know, and stays the rest of his life being the lowliest of the low that no one cares about. No. God uses him to become king of his people. Isn't that amazing? All right, Solomon, before Jesus, he probably was a pretty spoiled child, because, you know, David and his mom, you know, had that thing. And then he probably was, like, the most favorite of them all. And he probably was spoiled, okay? And then when he became king, you know, he's probably a young king and maybe a teenager. And teenagers, at this time, we don't know what we're doing, okay? So if he's a teenager and a king, he definitely doesn't know what he's doing, okay? And then he gets a dream, and God asks him, okay, if I can give you everything in the world, anything that you want, what would you want? And he's like, I think I'm going to have some wisdom. I would like to have wisdom. He could have asked for anything, guys, okay? He could have asked for a pool, a trampoline, any of those kinds of things, but he asked for wisdom, okay? And not only did God give him wisdom, but he gave him everything else. He gave him anything and everything else that he could ever have wanted. So he became the wisest and richest man who ever lived, isn't that amazing? Okay, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say like those um, prosperity preachers that once you follow God, you're going to be the wisest and richest man who ever lived. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that when you allow God to use you and um, follow the plan that he has for you, he's going to do amazing things in your life. Peter, before Jesus, he was just a lame fisherman. He just went out, fished all day, tried to get some fish. Then he had to pay that money right back to the tax collector, so he didn't have money for his family. You know, he's struggling. He was a very violent guy. I mean, he cut somebody's ear off, okay? So he didn't have nothing going for him, okay? After Jesus, he performed miracles. He walked on water. Okay, raise your hand if you can walk on water. Okay. And then God set his church on Peter, and Peter became one of the most influential leaders of the early church. Paul, okay, before he was Saul, and he went around and murdered Christians, okay? And you would think, why would God want to use someone who before was killing the very people that he had set up? Why would he do that? But he does. He changes his name to Paul, and then Paul becomes a dedicated leader in the church who walked out of a prison, heavily guarded, not one time, but two times. Okay? God can work many amazing things in your life if you just allow him to work with you. But if you try and go your own way, you're not going to be able to be happy and live the fulfilled life that God wants for you. These people and many more found that they could only live a full and content life if they had Jesus in their life. There's a song by Micah Tyler, a really great song. Um, if you have a chance today, if you don't, haven't heard it already, um, please go home and listen to that song. It's called Different. And the words talk about that he doesn't want to be just like the world. He wants 
the world to see who he is and see that he has something different and that different is Jesus in their lives, in his life, okay? So instead of us trying to compare our lives to others and try to fit into the world and change to be someone else, we should stay the way we are and be different from the world. And when you add that wonderful, unique person that God created you to be, and you add it with following Jesus, you have a wonderful creation that God can use to work in this world. In Philippians 2, the 15, it says, everything you do should be blameless, innocent, and above reproach. You are God's children living in a corrupt world. You are lights in the darkness like stars lighting up the night sky. Just like the stars light up in the darkness, we need to be the light in the darkness of this world and shine our light on others so that they can see God and they can see that, they're, that if we want to change, we need to change and to be like Jesus. For people who always compare their lives to others, they will never be able to see the blessings that God has for them. This was the um, scripture reading, so I'm just going to read it one more time. The fear of human opinion disables. Trusting in God protects you from that. Constantly comparing your life and listening to what's right in the world, you're not going to be happy, and you're not going to see all the things that God is doing and God has given you because you're going to see the world, as your cup, as half empty. You're only going to see what you don't have, what you're not doing, who you're not with. But those who trust in Jesus as their source of happiness have no desire to compare themselves to others. With his help and with this in mind, you can win the battle of constantly comparing yourself to others and envying them. Social media should not be a place where you go and compare and contrast and envy others and just use it for, I don't want to say evil because it's not evil, but like, just negativity, going there and just, you see and you become, your self-worth goes down and you just don't feel good after you look at the, that's not what it's supposed to be. Technology isn't supposed to make our lives worse, it's supposed to make our lives better. Social media is a place where you can go and rejoice and see what your loved ones are doing and be like, wow, that's so amazing, I'm so happy for them. Instead of coveting what they have and wanting to be like them, God has given you so much, and we should be grateful for what we have. And then we should be grateful for the things that other people have. The more that we live from the love that he has already given us and not for the likes of others, the more we realize we aren't as thirsty and wanting of them after all. You don't have to work to be liked when you realize that you are already loved.